Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. For every horror title to hit VOD, there are countless others that end up D-O-A. Development Hell is a podcast dedicated to unearthing these plagued horror productions to find out what went wrong and if these projects still stand a shot at the green light. I'm your host, Josh Corngut. I'm a filmmaker based in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is being brought to you by the Anatomy of a Scream podcast network. Anatomy of Scream are a female-founded, queer-positive horror website. So my obsession with horror films trapped in development hell all started, I would say, back in the 8th grade, maybe earlier. And back in the day, I was a pretty active member of the UpcomingHorrorMovies.com forums. Back in the day, you know, UpcomingHorrorMovies.com also had a, a website section where they were completely dedicated to dead projects. Horror movies that were no longer happening, that were stuck in the development process, that were unlikely to ever see the light of day. And I just thought, what a cool graveyard of bizarre stories that Hollywood didn't want. And I even ripped off a couple of these ideas. And I still go there every once in a while if I need to find a spark for my own ideas. Today, we're going to start off by talking about Freddy vs. Jason 2. talk about Freddy vs. Jason 2 without getting into the legacy of the first film's development hell process. We're going to talk about 
Freddy vs. Jason 1 and the struggles it faced over 15 years in development hell. We're going to talk about the different versions of Freddy vs. Jason 2 that have been in the works and may still be in the works today. We're going to think about why these didn't happen, and we're going to decide if they've still got a shot. Freddy vs. Jason is a legacy built in hell. Starting back in 1986, with the gestation of Jason Lives, was when the first rumblings of a Freddy vs. Jason installment started to occur. It just made sense, you know, it's like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. It's something all genre fans were so excited about. I would say most of us were fantasizing about it even before any official release was announced. Because, I mean, how could you be a horror fan? How could you be a young horror fan and not be out of your mind obsessed with the concept of Freddy vs. Jason? My god, when the actual film did get released in 2003, wow, so long ago, crazy, I was 13, wow, I'm old now, also crazy. And it was just like literally the most exciting thing that could ever happen to me. It was my Star Wars Phantom Menace. It was my like life, my culture. I was here for it. So there was a big fight between the studios from the get-go because Hollywood and money. You had New Line Cinema, AKA the house that Freddie built. This was a new studio, practically independent back in the day, that owned A Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger. They were building their way up and would eventually go on to release huge movies like the Lord of the Rings trilogy and were becoming big players in Hollywood. But in 1986, they were the new kid on the block. And Paramount Pictures, who owns Crystal Lake and Jason and and Friday the 13th, they were thinking that they could strong arm the little guy into getting away with murder. And that was their mistake because Bob Shea was the head honcho at New Line Cinema at the time. If you're a horror fan that knows or is worth your salt, you know who Bob Shea is. If you don't, Bob Shea was, you know, the head of New Line Cinema and was the guy that sort of funded Freddy from the get-go and was the one that kept putting these sequels into production. He's featured quite heavily, I would say, in the Never Sleep Again documentary. The brother of Lynn Shay, another icon, she was in the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, a huge horror icon to this day, the star of the Insidious franchise. Okay, idea, I think we need an Osborne-style reality series about the Shays. Hoping Bob Shay is around, I think you are, sorry that I even brought that into question. But yeah, if you're a reality TV show producer, Wes Craven had nothing, and I mean nothing, to do with Freddy vs. Jason from the get-go. He wasn't treated so great by New Line, starting with the creation of the second film. And I think artistically, he was not even so interested in pursuing the Freddy Krueger dream after he got to create A New Nightmare, which was the meta early 90s Nightmare on Elm Street moment that he got to write and direct that didn't make much money, but would be the precursor to the Scream series. I would say one of the first meta horror films, which after Scream was, you know, not a big deal, but it was pretty groundbreaking for the time. Sean Cunningham had more to say. He was the creator, well, debatable creator of Friday the 13th. And yeah, this would 
become one of the longest running uh, development hell projects in Hollywood history. There were 18 writers involved over the course of 15 years. Apparently there were 40 directors in conversation. I didn't know there were 40 directors in Hollywood pre-2003. Good to know. So some of my favorite tidbits about the development process of Freddy vs. Jason are some of the wacky, wacky, tabacky concepts that almost made it to the screen. One of the very first concepts for Freddy vs. Jason 1 that was floating around New Line Cinema was about a group of people dubbed the Fred Heads. They were a Freddy cult that were obsessed with our fave dream demon and were gonna bring him back to life to cause all sort of havoc. I don't like it, I hate it, but you know what? Glad that didn't happen. Can we just take a second to talk about cults in horror? Okay, don't be mad, but I think cults are a bit of uh, easy out. Like, if you want something spooky to go on, you just say, ooh, it's a satanic cult, and everything just makes sense. No, it's too easy. Make your movie spooky with something else other than cults. I mean, it just like, we've seen it. We've done it. It doesn't do anything for me. Okay, you're probably like, what does he think of Hereditary? Fine, I'll tell you, I'm confused. I've lied to people saying that I've liked Hereditary. I've lied to other people telling them that I didn't like Hereditary. And honestly, the answer, don't know where it lies, but it's a lie. Yeah, I don't love it. I am unfortunately a straight boy for Midsummer. How can I deny that opening scene? So yeah, there was this Freddy cult that was floating around. Um, there was another early draft for Freddy vs. Jason that was inspired by, of all things, the O.J. Simpson trial of the early mid-90s. Uh, okay, so there would have been an actual Freddy vs. Jason film that put Jason Voorhees on trial for his Crystal Lake crimes. Weird. And that would have been some kind of dick wolf realness and you just like gotta see uh, Jason killing off everyone in court and I just don't think that's safe for the lady that does the typing I don't know why I made her a lady but it just doesn't seem like it makes sense there was even a Nightmare on Elm Street origin story that was gonna be another procedural court moment and I don't understand why they keep doing this even the fucking pinhead movies by the fifth one what's it called whatever they started becoming like super procedurally cop stories with Pinhead just shoved in there. What is the deal, Hollywood? Stop doing this to our horror franchises. I'm really embarrassed that I can't remember the name of Hellraiser 5. It's not Bloodlines, that's number four. You're screaming in your car. My mom is bored, so we're gonna move on. Apparently there was also a boxing scene in the original Freddy vs. Jason <laughs> concept stage. There was a hockey scene. Freddy was beamed into the sun, which is, uh, you know what, I relate. And there was even early back in the days talks of Freddy fucking Pamela Voorhees. Uh, something to do with maybe being Jason's father or messing with his head or who knows what. But like, I don't know if that's something I need to see is Freddy fucking Pamela. Now, maybe they'd love each other. They're both very evil and they kill lots of people, but I just don't see it and I don't think I need it. So the team that they acquired eventually for the original Freddy versus Jason, as I said, they talked to over 40 directors, which is wild to me, until they finally got Ronnie Yu to decline. So Ronnie Yu was the director 
1998 of Bride of Chucky. He was this very influential Hong Kong cinema director. And he said no. He was like, girl, I don't want to do another one of these horror franchises in America. Like, I'm better than this. And Newland Cinema was like, wait, please do it. And he was like, I've never seen either of these franchises. I don't know what they're about. Newland was like, yes, 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 yes. That's what we want. We want someone that has no passion for it, that knows nothing about it. Please do it. And you know what? I think he actually did a really good job. I know some people don't love Freddy vs. Jason. Don't know what's wrong with them. It's in a perfect film, except for the Kelly Rowland use of the word faggot. No one likes that. But I think other than that, perfect movie. Love what he did with it. Another little bit of drama in the team aspect of the first film was about the casting of Kane Hodder. So Kane Hodder had played Jason in four films, starting with the seventh Friday the 13th film, which is a little late to the party, if you ask me. But fans were big into Kane, and Kane was uh, in discussions early on. But eventually, the studio went without him. And he was pissed, and fans were pissed, and nerds, they stay pissed. What are you going to do? Brad Renfro was also cast in the film uh, before his passing. And he was the reason that Monica Kino was cast as the female lead uh, opposite to him because they had such great chemistry in the audition stages. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is around the time that he passed away, so they had to replace him with Ritter, who did a great job, but I would have loved to see what Brad could have brought to the production. One other director who was really involved early on and then eventually dropped out was John McNaughton, who you may know as the director of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer in 1986. Of course, this guy wanted to go in a bit of a dramatic horror direction because have you seen Henry? And the studio was like, no, that doesn't make sense. And so he dropped out. You're like, okay, Josh, I clicked this because you said you were going to talk about Freddy versus Jason 2. And don't worry, this isn't clickbait. I will. I'm going to talk all about Freddy versus Jason 2 because there's a surprising amount of information on it out there, including... The entire treatment written by Jeff Katz, which was put online by Bloody Disgusting. But before we get there, I just want to touch base on a couple of other projects from both franchises that never got made. So starting with Nightmare on Elm Street films, there was something back in the day that they were calling Nightmare on Elm Street colon burst kills. And this would have been another courtroom prequel rumored to have Freddy before he was a dream demon on trial for all of his gruesome, heinous acts against kids, probably ending up with him being vigilante by all the parents. I don't think that's something we needed to see. I mean, I don't think everyone's going to see Freddy because, like, we are obsessed with the crime of it all. We want to see some freaky-ass dream sequence kills that didn't happen. Here's a particularly sad one. Peter Jackson had written a script for A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 6 that he had dubbed The Dream Lover. Peter Jackson, obviously biggest icon of all time, he did the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and back in the day he did a lot of splatter horror, like Meet the Feebles, and Bad Taste, a bunch of stuff like that. And he had written a script all about teens who would purposely fall asleep to go fuck with Freddy, who had lost most of his power, at the end of part five, so teens would fall asleep and go beat him up and fuck with him and just be little shits until he got one of them by mistake or just pulled his power together to do it. And then, of course, he gets his act together and starts killing them off again. 
this sounds kind of weird in like a one sentence format, but Peter Jackson, oof, he could have done such a interesting Nightmare on Elm Street film. Some of the unmade Friday the 13th movies included something called Crystal Lake Diaries, which was going to be made at like the height of the found footage horror craze, probably around 2009 after Paranormal Activity. And I remember the internet being like, oh, girl, another fucking found footage mess. I actually kind of think it could have been a cool way to do Jason because you don't see him too much, very Blair Witch, but it never happened and it's never going to happen. And that's probably for the best. There was also a snowy sequel in development to the 2009 Friday the 13th reboot that never happened. And I am an apologist for this Friday the 13th remake. I thought it was really fun. I thought director Marcus Nispel did a really grisly but fun adaptation, sort of like he did with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 remake, which was extremely brutal and I don't know how fun it was. So would have been cool to see a sequel to the reboot. There was a tentative CW series about Friday the 13th not that long ago. I 100% would have watched that. I don't know who watched the Scream show, but I did, and I liked it. Lastly, there was going to be an original third entry to the Friday franchise, all about Ginny, the heroine from number two. What happened to her? We demand answers. Time to get into Friday vs. Jason Part 2, <gasps> a.k.a. Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. I would have called it Freddy vs. Jason, the devil's three-way, but nobody called me and nobody asked me, so what can I do? It almost happened, Freddy vs. Jason 2, I swear to God. It almost happened really quickly, actually, after the original film, which did so well at the box office, obviously. Who wouldn't go see it? I saw it a bunch of times. Freddy vs. Jason made $82 million at the box office and then went on to make a whole crap ton more on DVD. So, obviously, people wanted a Freddy vs. Jason 2, and the studio started to think about it pretty heavily. There were initial rumors of a sequel being set around Christmas. So those rumors did lead to what would come of the Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash treatment, which turned into a comic book, which kind of have its own little franchise life right now. There were talks early on as well to bring in possibly Michael Myers or to bring in Pinhead or to bring in other rando commandos from the horror canon, but obviously none of those really make sense. You know, you already have one guy that doesn't talk. You already have one guy that's a sassy, sassy talker. You don't need another non-talker or sassy man in the mix. What we need is a hero, like a Mr. Ash Williams. This had its problems from the get-go. Now, the f first film had, a had enough of a challenge working with two studios trying to cooperate to agree on funding and agree on a story. Now you'd be working with... Oh, I guess it would be just pulling in one more studio, which was the studios behind The Evil Dead. So now you had Sony involved, you had New Line involved, you had Paramount involved... And even eventually Warner Brothers would get in the mix after they rebooted both franchises. So there was a lot of cooks in the kitchen for this one, which is partially why it didn't get off the ground. Another issue was we wanted, or Jeff Katz, who made the treatment, and even Bruce Campbell, wanted to see our hero Ash win over both villains at the end. Which makes sense, that's what America needs, but the studios were like, honey, no, these are our... They make us money, honey. So they didn't do it. But what we did get at the end of the day 
was a comic book series. Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, The Nightmare Warriors. So this was pretty cool back in 2007-2008. We got this comic book series, which was based on a concept by Jeff Katz. I just said his name a couple times now. He was a New Line Cinema employee. He uh, moved to Hollywood just so he could work or intern for free at New Line Cinema as Freddy vs. Jason was getting off the ground. Like, this was one of us ooga booga. Like, he was a passionate guy, cared so much about horror and these franchises, and it was like, really, I'm gonna say, it was a, an important guy to have in the kitchen because he was actually passionate about these stories. So, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, The Nightmare Warriors, was written by James Coyrick and concept by Jeff Katz. The artwork was by J. Scott Campbell and Eric Powell with cover art by Jason Craig. So this was a six-part limited comic book series based on this pretty amazing Freddy vs. Jason 2 treatment that just never got off the ground. So Wildstorm and Dynamite Entertainment at least delivered the story to us in comic book form, which you can still find pretty easily. Eventually, this comic book series does bring in the Dream Warriors from Nightmare 3, which is pretty wild. Would love to see that. Oh, something I didn't mention about unmade Nightmare on Elm Street films is that a Sir Robert England, aka Freddy Krueger himself, who loves to talk smack, was letting it leak that there were whispers about a Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors remake or reboot, which would have been really cool because it's a fan favorite and just like the quintessential Nightmare on Elm Street storyline. And it'd be really fun to see redone. Not sure if we're ever going to see that happen. So unfortunately, some of the context behind Freddy vs. Jason 2 was solved when Bruce Campbell, Mr. Ash himself, got on Reddit and answered a fan question all about it things didn't actually happen. So it's not looking good for our hero, <laughs> the movie, Freddy vs. Jason 2. But if you look online, you can find the treatment written by Jeff Katz. And oogada boogada, it is wild, wild, wild. It is wild, wild west. So I'm going to actually just like walk us through a little bit of what happened in it because you need to know, you deserve to know what went on in Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, The Treatment. Okay, so are you ready? It starts off at Christmas season. And the original cast from the first Friday, Freddy vs. Jason are driving. And it's Monica Kina and Ritter. And they swiftly get killed off by Jason right at the start. And that leads us to an S-Mart where we see Ash of Ash and the Evil Dead. And he's working there and he's kind of undercover trying to find the Necronomicon, but we don't really understand that that's going on. And Jason shows up. Now, Jason is also looking for the Necronomicon because uh, Mr. Freddy Krueger, who's kind of dead but kind of not dead, is lingering in his little brain and, and is still alive in the little part of Jason's brain that he really got in there in the first film when he was fucking him up with his little manipulations. So he's able to manipulate our Jason in his brain, pretending to be Pamela Voorhees. And Pamela says, Jason, 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 girl... We need the Necronomicon. Now, really, Freddy just wants the Necronomicon so that he can unleash himself and be all spooky, oogie-boogie on the world. But Jason, you know, is a little bit of uh, a meathead, and he doesn't totally know what's going on, so he's following Mommy's orders yet again. So (laughs) this somehow leads him to an S-Mart where Ash is working, 
And dear lord, there is a massacre in this S-Mart that is on par with the <laughs> the corn field massacre from the first film. It is absolutely wild. Jason's just hacking everyone up to bits and pieces. And Ash is there trying to fight him with like MacGyver style home hardware bullshit. And it's hilarious and so gruesome and so wild. And it would have been really cool to see. As the plot thickens, basically, Ash gets sent back to the cabin from the first Evil Dead films. Freddy is there. He's reenacting everything that happens in those films. It's wild. Jason shows up. Jason somehow manages to get a little bit of intelligence for some reason or another, which I know sounds stupid as all hell, but kind of makes it scary. And so there's a showdown at the cabin between all three of them. And Freddy, getting a hold of the Necronomicon, I guess, I guess, brings to life all of past Jason Voorhees victims, like these classic characters from the Friday franchise. And they're all deadites. And they're, they're all there and they're piling on Jason and he has to kill him again one by one. And it's wacky and it's crazy. And I would have paid so much money to see it. So of course, this all leads to a grand finale on the frozen Crystal Lake, which is Gorginas. I love it. I would love to see it. And then, of course, Ash wins in the end, freezes them in the lake or some bullshit. Who cares? It's the same in every movie. So that kind of gives you a very shortened roundabout idea of what went down in the infamous Freddy versus Jason versus Ash treatment. If you want to read it for yourself, I suggest you Google it. Bloody Disgusting did, uh, I believe, not release it, but like shared it back in the day. So it's pretty findable on the internet. Also, if you want a more detailed experience for the story, just get the comic book series. The first um, entry is basically the treatment. And then it goes on to deliver the goods with the Dream Warriors. I'm sorry that I sang. I feel like if you're going to listen to this podcast, I probably will sing every once in a while. But if you at me and say, Josh, don't sing. I don't know. I'll think about it, I guess. We've made it to conclusions. I'm having so much fun. I kind of wish that we had more time, but that's okay. Because we have a whole series coming your way. So will Freddy vs. Jason 2 ever get made? Well... You're probably thinking, girl, no. 2003, more like 2000 so long ago. Why would we see it now? But there have been rumors online about a Freddy vs. Jason reboot, which is such a strange thing to say out loud. We got this covered. The website, who isn't like always 150% reputable or reliable, has posted recently that this reboot is in the works. They also were the ones that I believe were the first to bring to light the Scream 5 reboot moment. And everyone was like, mm 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 And that's literally filming right now. They're not always wrong. Warner Brothers kind of had this idea back in the late 2000s to reboot these franchises and then put them in like this crappy Avengers style universe where they could team up and... Everyone wanted to get on the extended universe train back then. And it just doesn't work. We don't want it. Except we do want it, but just do it well. I don't know. No one liked those reboots. The, the Nightmare on Elm Street one was not good. And if you were to ask my friend Emily, she would say, yeah, you liked it. I was there. My answer to her is, yeah, whatever. It was 2010. I was stupid. I didn't like it. In retrospect. 
But yeah, so now that with Wes Craven's estate taking offers for a new entry in that franchise, and the Victor Miller, Sean Cunningham legality battles that have been in court for who knows how long seem to finally be wrapping or have wrapped up. This could be the time for our beloved Jason and Freddie to get their lives back in order to start chopping up them kids to chop up each other and to just give us what we want in 2020 because girl it's been rough okay it's been hard and we need some more franchise to chew on and to you know make the days go by a little bit easier okay what do you think does Freddy vs. Jason 2 have a shot at being made is a reboot gonna happen are there going to be new installments in either franchise anytime soon? I want you to tell me what you think. So if you can get on Twitter or Instagram and give me a shout at Development Hell, um, our at is at Devil Hell Pod, that's D E V E L Hell Pod, or you can at me at Josh Corngut just about anywhere and tell me what you think. Thank you so much for listening. And if you could do me a favor of subscribing and liking and telling a friend about this new podcast that would be really cool and i hope you keep listening and we'll be back next week with another episode of development hell